This is, in a sense, a really extreme way of saying what I think a lot of us probably feel, which is to go through an unjust world and to say nothing is to be unjust. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, Natalie Owens-Pike, Yale Divinity School Class of 2023. In this episode, we have Joel Baden, professor of Hebrew Bible and director of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School, and Bill Gettler, associate dean for ministerial and social leadership and lecturer in parish leadership and church administration at Yale Divinity School. They're discussing Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 through 11, which is appointed for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost in year A. Let's listen in. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. So you, mortal, I have made a sentinel for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And if I say to the wicked, O wicked ones, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from their ways, the wicked shall die in their iniquity but their blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from their ways, and they do not turn from their ways, the wicked shall die in their iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Now you, mortal, say to the house of Israel, thus you have said, our transgressions and our sins weigh upon us, and we waste away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their ways and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Wow, this is a tough text. It's the reason that most Christian preachers, I think they wait until the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel before they try to read it to a congregation. Mm-hmm. Dry bones that live are much easier to preach about than God's insistence that the preacher call out the wicked ones with warnings of their own demise. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a happy text. It's, it's almost, I mean, it, some of it feels a little bit banal to me, right? Like, is there anything more basic than wicked people should die? Like that feels like the like a central prophetic. Ezekiel's really into that. Like Ezekiel's constantly threatening death. Wicked people should die and it's your job to call them on it. Right. It's, I mean a lot of the book of Ezekiel is about the experience of being a prophet. Which is, you know, a thing we get here and there. Obviously, Jeremiah thinks about it. Isaiah has, you know, we have call narratives. We have, you know, uh, we have Amos, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. People think about this. Ezekiel thinks a lot about the what it's like to actually inhabit the role of prophet, how difficult it is in, in ingesting the word, being, you know, it's a lot of God talking to Ezekiel and being like, all right, dude, now, you, now it's time to do this. This is going to be hard. This is unpleasant. But this is, you know, this is, a threat against Ezekiel, right? Do this my way or or you end up paying. You'll be condemned with the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will say that as a person who works primarily in, you know, in the Pentateuch, what I, the analogy for me here is something like, you know, the commandment in Deuteronomy 
to go slaughter all of the Canaanites and to take like to burn all their stuff and you leave no one alive because unless you do that, I'll do this to you. Yeah, which leaves is it left without choice here? This is a God who's deeply involved in the human condition in the in the affairs of humankind. God knows what's going on, sees the good and the bad, and that God makes room for this society to change, right? Mm. There's the possibility of repentance, of, mm-hmm. of turning away from the evil ways. And for that possibility to be real, somebody needs to name it, the, the sin that is. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to name the evil in society and call them on it. Mm-hmm. That's obviously the prophet's role, mm-hmm. but it's really pretty specific here. <laughs> Yeah. If they continue being wicked and you didn't warn them, right, they're gonna die for being wicked, but I'm gonna put it on I'll put their deaths on you. Right? Their blood I will require at your hand. If you do warn them, they're gonna die, but you will have saved your life. Now, I, you know, this is in a sense a really extreme way of saying what I think a lot of us probably feel, which is to go through an unjust world and to say nothing is to be unjust, to participate participate in that injustice. We dare not stay silent when we see others doing wrong. We need to lift our—we must lift our voices and seek to reform society or just to name that those places of evil. It's interesting, right? When we've got—what we've got in the biblical text so often is there's only one guy— there's only one person who's out there speaking the truth. The prophets talk about this all the time, right? Like, it's just me, right? It's me against the false prophets, Jeremiah, right? Or there's, you know, there's the one prophet who's talking to the king. There's the one prophet who's talking to society. There's no sense that, you know, you don't read any of the biblical prophets in sense that, oh, there's a whole bunch of them out there doing this. So how to translate that, the one person who's responsible? I mean, in this case, right, Ezekiel is, you, Ezekiel, are the guy. You're responsible for the whole of the thing. How do we translate that into modernity when we've got, you know, I don't think any... Many versions of... I can look around, there's, um, you know, thousands and thousands of people who are fighting the good fight. That's both lovely, but does that also lessen the burden on any any individual? Is anybody standing in the role of Ezekiel? Does anybody feel that they are the only one anymore? There are certainly traditions who claim that space, Mm -hmm. and they will be opposing positions. Mm -hmm. One person's evil is the other's good and good and possible way. Mm -hmm. God seems to trust that the people know the difference between good and evil. Is that fair to say in, um, in this text? I mean, I think... They know, what, they know the wrong they are doing, calling it out is... Well, I think they're... I, yes, I, I, in, the, in, in the broadest sense, I think the answer is probably yes. The people... Right, when Ezekiel says, hey, you got to stop doing that, I don't think people are like, what? <laughs> we, right. we do? Ezekiel, as a book, Ezekiel's you know, whole perspective is, you guys are just like, you're the worst. Right, You're, you've always been the worst. You will always be the worst. I, I don't. Ezekiel is as a book is uncertain whether Israel deserves good things, but I think part of that is is yeah. They, I think I think they're oh they're they're not they don't go around thinking they're doing great. They're just you know they're just not they're mind, habitual, mindful of the ways in which they are. They're habitually disobedient, right? And I think that that's that is also a pretty contemporary story. In a society that knows that we should care for the poor, that knows that we should be aligning ourselves with those who suffer, that we should be a people who make peace. We do know the bottom line here about a right society would look like. You're focusing on all the good stuff. And I, when I read this, I'm also like, man, there's a lot of death in here. Which is to say, you know, it's, it's not like, it doesn't even say the you know, if the, the wicked continue in their ways, they will be, it, die, 
right? There's a lot of, the wicked will die and I'll either, like either you've warned them or you haven't, but they're definitely going to die. Does it not bother you? Do you just read as a sort of extremist language that we sort of translate into? Well, sure. And I read, I read this, this chapter along with those that follow, right? So we do know that there's, that, that these bones will live. We, we do know that there will be These the bones aren't those bones, right? <laughs> the bones that live aren't the bones of the wicked who God killed. <laughs> there is possibility. There is hope. As a bottom line, yes, that's where I come down. Yeah, I, this is, the, the more that I, the more I have spent time with the Bible, which is a silly thing for me to say, but, but still, I find myself increasingly attuned to the places where the biblical text by virtue of using, and for whatever reasons it does, by virtue of using language that invokes the death of one's religious opponents or people who don't agree with the prophet's vision or God's vision, the way that that language has sort of infused and suffuses the way that we think about others. I can intellectually think like, you know, I realize that it's just hyperbole or it's, it's, you know, it's a language of its time. But I also, I am constantly like, this is the sort of language that's responsible for really unpleasant stuff in the world. When you have a text in which the deity says, you go out and you say, anyone who doesn't follow me is going to die. And they're, they are going to die. At a certain point, that's like, we can, we can, we can soften it. I mean, and I think that that's your reading is, you know, your tendency is to to soften away from that. But I think that that's, I think that stuff's out there. I think there, I think there are people in communities who hear, who read stuff like this for whom the, you know, the, the logical outgrowth of this is, yeah, which, which is why, who which is why die. it always has to be contextualized. If, if you are getting up on a Sunday to preach this text from Ezekiel 33, and you're only referring to this text in Ezekiel 33, <laughs> you're pretty stuck. Although, although I mean, the, the very end of this, the very end is the part that I think is, is maybe mitigates all of that, which is, you know, yes, they're going to die. Yes, they're going to die. The wicked are going to die. The wicked are going to die. And Turn then, back. And, 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 then, and then God says, but that's not what I actually want. Like, I'm saying this not because I want it. In other words, my reading is not as a prediction of the the certainty of this. I'm motivating you, right? This is is my version of motivational speaking, right? The wicked are going to die, so change. Now, in the end, like, what happens if they don't change, right? The motivation is still for them to change. In the end, I think maybe like this idea is still they are going to die right? If, if they don't. But the purpose of the text isn't to, it's, it's not to sort of advocate for that kind of, for, for the violent demise. It's not a celebration of, your, of, of, your, of, of your that opponents. demise, right? It's, in fact, it's explicitly, I, have, I don't take any pleasure in that. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to get you to change. And I think that's, you know, that comes back to where we, where we started here, which is you know, the role of the, what is the role of the prophet? You know, who, who is called upon and who sees injustice and feels impelled to, to speak about it. It's not to, it's not to condemn. It, it's, it's about change. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our professors for your insights on this scripture. The transcript of this audio and lots more Bible study resources are available at YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School and is produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, 
Production Manager, Kelly Morrissey. Associate Producer, Aidan Stoddart. Executive Producer, Helena Martin. And me, your host, Natalie Owens-Pike. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.